Good evening and welcome to an all new episode of What the Friday. Thanks for joining me. I hope you've had a good week. And you know, if you've, you're in the path of Ian or been in the path of Ian, take care of each other. It, it's been kind of rough. Um, we're supposed to have weather from it through tomorrow, but you know, you know how the weather is. It changes. So, um, who knows? Anyway, tonight I'm bringing you the story of the murder of Robert Eric Wan. His murder took place in the Washington, D.C. area in August of 2006. And this story is very intriguing, and it's absolutely sad. And it's more than likely one that you haven't heard of yet. Let's get started. Welcome to What the Friday, an After Dark series presented by Mystery, Murder, and Magic. Before I get started tonight, I need to warn you that some of the details of this episode are pretty graphic. So if you don't want little ears hearing it, now's a good time to pause it until later. Robert Eric Wan was born on June the 1st, 1974 in Manhattan, and he was a fourth generation Chinese American. He excelled all through high school, and after he graduated high school as his class as valedictorian, he attended William and Mary as a James Monroe Scholar. While he was at WNM, he met a man named Joseph Price. The two became friends, and they also participated in several college activities, including an honor society and student government. During his time at William and Mary, and even after graduation, Robert became involved in social causes and philanthropy work. So he was this caring, wholesome guy. Robert graduated from W&M in 1996, and then he went on to receive his Doctor of Law degree from the University of Pennsylvania School of Law in 1999. He graduated from there with honors. After completing his degree, he worked for a little while in commercial law or commercial real estate law. In June of 2003, Robert married Catherine Ellen Yeo, and the couple made their home in Fairfax County, Virginia. Three years later, Robert left the law firm that he had been employed with since he had graduated and went to work as a general counsel for Radio Free Asia. Over the years, Robert and Joseph Price had remained friends. On August the 2nd, 2006, Juan kissed his wife Catherine goodbye and he left for work. After work that day, he attended some continuing law education classes, and after that class, he gave his wife Catherine a call, letting her know that his class was over and he was on his way to meet with the night staff at his work. From there, he went to check in with that night staff at Radio Free Asia and then around 10:24 that night Robert called Joseph and let him know that he was about to catch a taxi and head to Joseph's townhouse so apparently they had made these arrangements previously and why it's probably because it was late and Price's townhouse was only about a mile from Robert's office you know I don't know that that's true but I mean it, it makes sense but what happened after Robert arrived at the home of his friend seems to be something that no one can give a truthful answer to. Sometime between that time that Robert arrived around 1032, 
and a 911 call made at 1149, Robert had been stabbed to death. The EMTs that showed up on the scene were very disturbed by what they had found when they arrived at, and there was like this behavior that was going on in the townhouse of the three men who lived there that was very questionable. EMTs say that the men seemed aloof to the situation and they weren't even interested in like directing them to where Robert was at in the townhouse. Now, according to the three roommates, Robert arrived at the apartment at 10.32 that night, and the men hung out in the kitchen chatting and having a glass of water. And all four of the men had retired for the evening and their own, like, to their own respective bedrooms. They had set up the guest room for Robert to stay in for that night. But shortly after going to bed, the stillness of the night was shattered by a scream. Sometime between 11.40 and 11.49, Price and Zabrowski discovered the body of Robert. He had been stabbed several times. Zabrowski called 911, and it's only a matter of minutes before paramedics are on the scene. The three men are immediately questioned by the police, and then they're taken to the police station for further questioning. The men were questioned for several hours and from that the police came up with two possible scenarios of what might have happened that night according to the men an intruder had entered their town hall sometime after they had went to bed and murdered robert but the police weren't totally buying that and they believed that one or all three of the men were somehow involved in the murder and as we know, most of the time, forensic evidence solves these types of crimes. But in this crime, forensic evidence added more questions than providing answers. The evidence showed that it was possible that Robert had been injected with some type of substance because he was incapacitated. And not only that, he had been sexually assaulted before he was killed. And as far as it being an intruder... There was no sign at all in the home that it had been broken into. The crime scene itself appeared to have been tampered with. And y'all get this, Robert had been stabbed to death, but the knife found in the room with Robert's blood on it, when it wasn't even close to matching the stab wounds. Like there was no way it had possibly caused those. So it was like they, whoever they was, stabbed Robert to death, got rid of the real weapon, then replaced it with a different one, but went through the trouble of smearing Robert's blood on it. Now, Zabrowski says that when Robert arrived, he himself was in the couple's master bedroom watching Project Runway, and that Price had joined him in the bedroom before the TV show went off and guessed it was around 10.50. Well, the two men say they fell asleep between 11.05 and 11.10. Now, Ward, he says he went to his bedroom around that time, too. And he took a sleeping pill and remembered hearing Robert taking a shower before he, as in Ward, fell asleep. Now, evidence found on Robert's Blackberry showed that there was two emails that were drafted sometime between 11.05 and 11.07. Or 11.07, sorry, y'all. One of those emails was written to his wife, Catherine, telling her that he had just taken a shower and he was about to go to sleep. 
The other email was to a co-worker confirming a lunch appointment the next day. But now, like I said, neither of those emails were sent, and it's unknown why. And here's another get this moment. In the investigation, the Blackberry was never fingerprinted, nor were copies of those emails saved as evidence. The Blackberry was soon returned to Radio Free Asia, who then completely wiped out the device. Around 11.30 or 11.35, a neighbor heard what he described as a desperate scream coming from the townhouse. Price and Zabrowski both say they were awakened by the sound of the chime that the security system makes anytime somebody opens the door or closes it. They couldn't recall exactly what time they heard it. What happened between 11.10 and the time that the 911 call was placed at 11.49 is a question that hasn't been answered, but there's a lot of speculation. On that 911 call, Zabrowski frantically tells the dispatcher that they believe someone has entered their home and a guest in their home has been stabbed. Now let's listen to that 911 call. It's over just a little over seven minutes long.
D.C. Emergency 911 Operator 6752. Do you need police, fire, or ambulance? What's wrong, ma'am? We had someone that was in our house, evidently, and they stabbed somebody. Okay, somebody's inside the house now? I don't know. We heard... Are they bleeding? You see someone yes. bleeding? Someone is bleeding in our house. Okay, where's they bleeding from? Uh, I think he was... I think in the stomach. In the stomach? Is he cautious? Uh, Calm down for me. I'm going to send some help, okay? Female or male? It's a male. He's a friend of ours. He was, spent, he was spending the night with us. Okay, and who was the person that stabbed him? Do you know? Is, he, is, is he cautious? We need an ambulance. Ma'am, listen no, to me. He's not conscious. He's not conscious at all? No. We need someone right now. Is he breathing? Listen, is he... listen to me. Calm down. I'm going to help you, okay? Is he breathing? I'm upstairs, and he's downstairs. I don't know. Okay, who's downstairs with him? My partner is downstairs with him right now. He told me to go upstairs and call the police immediately. Okay, who's the person? Okay, I'm sending paramedics and the police. Okay, who's the person that stabbed him? I don't know. We think it's somebody with an intruder in the house. We heard the chime of the door. Miss <laughs> 15, ma'am, calm down. 1509 Swan Street, Northwest. Am I correct? Yes, it is. The person that stabbed him, is he still in the home? I don't know. We got help in route, okay? Pardon me? We have help in route. Thank you. They're here. Okay. They are there in route to you now. i the police and the paramedics, okay, to assist. Okay, what I need you to do is go downstairs, okay? The place where, wherever he was stabbed at, I need you to get a dry cloth, okay? And just apply pressure to that area. If he was wherever he was stabbed at on his body, I need you to take a towel downstairs while you're waiting for the paramedics to arrive and just apply pressure. Even if the rag or towel is saturated with blood, just get another towel and put it on top, but never lift the first towel off the area. Hold it on. Once it gets filled up with blood, just put another towel on top of that and just apply pressure until the paramedics arrive. Yes. 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 In the heart? Yes. Okay. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? We have help him right now, okay? You don't know who it was? No idea. Don't touch, don't touch, just, 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 just. Okay, is he breathing? He's breathing, but he needs help now. Okay, we have help in route, ma'am, okay? We do have help in route. Okay, just go down there and try to tell your husband or your other, um, the other half to just try to keep him calm and talk to him, okay? Keep him calm and talk to him until someone gets there. Okay. And at the same time, get a dry cloth and just hold it right there in the area. Yes, my partner's holding the okay. It, holding it on him. Okay, and once it gets saturated with blood, can I get another one? Go get another towel so you can apply it on top of that one once it gets filled up with blood. Okay. We, need, we need you to apply pressure on that area. He is applying pressure. Right okay, just hold it there until the paramedics get there. They should be pulling up any moment if they're already en route to your location. You don't know who did this. We have no idea who did this. Is the door open so they can get in? We don't know how they got in. Okay, well, I'm asking you now. Is the door open so the paramedics can get in once they get here? What? Sorry. What were you saying? Is the door open so they can get in? 
It's a okay. door open so the, so the paramedics can get in the home. I'm going to go down. Is this a private home or apartment? It's, it's a home. It's a home. It's 1509 Swan Street, Northwest. The person had one of our knives. The person that stabbed him ran out the door with a knife? I, I think so. Uh, okay, anybody get any type of description of the person that came in the home? I have no idea. We have no description. We heard we heard the chime and, and we heard the scream from our friends. Okay. And so we... Came running downstairs. We ran in. So you both was upstairs, and your friend was downstairs. Yes. You heard the door open, and then you heard the scream. We didn't. I didn't hear the door open until after the scream, and then we ran down the stairs, and we heard we are we have an alarm, and so the chime went off. Okay. Is the ambulance? We really need the ambulance. Okay, they in right they in right now, ma'am. Go to the door. They should be pulling up any moment. Okay. I'm afraid to go downstairs. Okay, the person who's downstairs was the person that was assaulted. No, we're in the we're on the second floor. Okay, so somebody need to go downstairs, open the door for the paramedics. You're not sure if that person's still in the home or not. I have no idea. Okay, we have paramedics in route. Okay. What time is it? What time is it at the moment? Yes. Twenty-three fifty-four. It's eleven fifty-four, ma'am. Eleven fifty-four. Yes. I mean, I'll stay on the line with you. I will stay on the line until somebody gets here. Okay, I won't hang up. We need them right now. I'm not hanging up, but we. Need we need help now. Okay, they're en route, ma'am. They are en route. <sighs> Let me know when you hear the paramedics. Can you look out the window and see if you hear them coming? I'm, I'm looking out the window and I see nothing. I see nobody. Okay, it seems like forever, but they are en route, ma'am. They're coming. Here they are, here they are. They're there. <sighs> I'm going downstairs. Okay. I'll stand the line with you till you open the door for the paramedics, okay? Help us. We have someone with stabbed They're on our second floor. <laughs> Ma'am. Now, once Zabrowski sees the lights of the ambulance, he goes out to meet them, and the dispatcher disconnects the call. Zabrowski directs them into a bedroom on the second floor, but on the way up to the stairs, paramedics meet up with Ward. Paramedics notice that both men were wearing white robes. They ask Ward what's going on, but he says nothing, only pointing in the general direction of the bedroom. Then he goes on into his on-bedroom, and he closes the door. When paramedics enter the bedroom, they see Price sitting on the edge of the bed wearing only underwear and has his back to the door. The paramedic asks Price what's going on, and then all he says 
is, quote, I heard a scream, end quote. And then he moves out of the way. Later, a paramedic tells police that he noticed that all three men, Price, Zabrowski, and Ward, all appear to be freshly showered or acting strangely undisturbed. I mean, you would think that, having found a dear friend stabbed to death, they would all be kind of freaking out to some degree, but they weren't. When police arrived on the scene, Price tells them that he found Robert at the patio door and he picked him up and placed him on the bed. Price is still only in his underwear at this point, so a female police officer tells Price to go get dressed. Another EMT on the scene tells officers that it appears that Robert had been showered, had his clothes put back on, and then laid on the bed. During all of this, Price calls Catherine and tells her what's going on. Now, this is, y'all, this is really just my opinion, but I really don't feel that it was his place to call her and give her that news, but whatever. Now, anyway, Robert is loaded into the ambulance and rushed to George Washington University Hospital. But sadly, he's pronounced dead at 1224 a.m. Then the three men are being interrogated. Ward tells them that at some point, Price walked outside because he saw a spider or something on a light. And it's completely possible that he forgot to lock the door when he came back in. Also, during that interrogation, Zabrowski and Price tell police that after they had heard that door chomp, they heard a muffled scream, and it was at this point that they got up out of bed. And as they're going up the stairs, they hear another scream, so they run to Robert's room. They rush into the room, seeing Robert wounded. Price starts giving him first aid while Zabrowski goes to call 911. All of the screaming and other noise woke Ward out of his sleep, so he rushed to see what the ruckus was. Before the amount of stab wounds that Robert had on his abdomen, police were shocked to find that there was very little blood other than a blood-soaked towel that was found near Robert's belongings. And one of the EMTs said that the stab wounds were big enough for his fingers to fit into, yet there was just not a whole lot of blood. And this leads police to believe that the whole scene was staged. Cadaver dogs were brought in, and they found traces of blood on a rear stairwell, the drain, and lint filters on the clothes dryer. And from this, investigators believe that Robert's clothes had been washed outside and then brought in and put in the dryer. During the interrogation, Price was questioned for six hours and he was described as self-centered, hostile, and cocky. Zabrowski was questioned for eight hours, and the takeaway from that session was that he was very complacent and wasn't concerned at all with helping in the investigation. Ward was questioned for a whopping 12 hours, and like the others, he wasn't much help. He was very calm and detached. After leaving the police department, the three men obtained legal counsel. And all three men maintained their story that Robert had been killed by an intruder. And going forward, the three men wouldn't speak with police without having their attorney present. However, they did submit DNA and fingerprints. And on the way, or on the day, sorry about that, y'all. Um, 
But anyway, on the day after Robert's death, an autopsy was performed, and from that, an eight-page report was filed. The medical examiner found out that there were two broken capillaries in Robert's right eye and left eyelid. And this is usually caused by like suffocation or strangulation. The blade from whichever knife had been used had pierced his heart, his pancreas, and right lung, and she noted in her report that the stabs were more like perfect slit marks. All of the stab wounds were on the right side of the body, which is very unusual because usually when somebody's being stabbed, they'll try to get away or they'll fight their attacker. But there was no defensive wounds on his body either. So this suggests that Robert was unconscious at the time that he was stabbed. Semen was found in his anus and on his genitals, but it was proved through testing to be his own. Several pre-mortem needle marks were found on his chest, right foot, left hand, and the left side of his neck, meaning he had been shot up with a substance before his death. But the problem is even though toxicology tests were ran, if you don't know what you're looking for, it can be nearly impossible to narrow it down. And I should mention here too that the only drug found in the townhouse when a drug dog was brought in was ecstasy. And the basic panel of drug tests were ran and they all came back negative. And it was also found during the autopsy that the boning knife found in the room the night that Robert was killed was not the knife used to stab him because it wasn't consistent with the wounds. Now, and to further that finding, only fibers from a towel it had been wiped on was found, but no fibers from the shirt that Robert was wearing at the time were found on that knife. And remember, his shirt had been stabbed through when he was stabbed. Now, from this point in the investigation, the investigators really ramped up their this investigation into the townhouse itself electronics including computers appliances slabs from the floor walls and staircases you know anything that could be found like was taken uh, it was like sludge was taken from the shower and sink drains and a ton of the three men's belongings were also taken too also found in the townhouse that investigators found interesting maybe possible clue or clues were tools used in sadomasochism stuff like floggers spacer bars metal probes clamps and electrical shockwave generators also found what is called a milking machine and it forces a person to ejaculate and there's been speculation that that is how robert's own semen was found in his anus and on his genitals and y'all get this, a three-piece cutlery set was found, and guess what? One of the knives was missing from it. And remember how I mentioned that there just wasn't a whole lot of blood in the room that Robert had been found in? So investigators decided to use luminol and another similar chemical, and they found blood trace evidence on the walls, floor, the sofa, bed, and, and a door frame. But y'all... That other similar chemical was used improperly, so it couldn't be proven that they had found any blood at all. And that bloody towel that was found on the scene, Mr. Price had declared that he had used it to put pressure on Robert's wounds as they waited on EMS. 
But those same EMT said that when they got there, that towel was already laying where they found it, and Price was not applying pressure. Forensic evidence suggests that that towel had been used to transfer blood onto the knife that was found on the scene, and not for compressing those wounds. None of the evidence or the crime scene made any sense, and law enforcement even went on record as saying that. And the sad thing is, there is absolutely not one shred of evidence that one or all three men living in that townhouse were tied to Robert's murder. Not long after his murder, his widow Catherine had a meeting with the police and not wanting to go alone she called Robert's former roommate Jason Torchinsky and she asked him to go with her well the following day Price calls Torchinsky asking questions about what was said during that meeting with the police but fortunately Torchinsky refused to tell Prince anything or Price anything because he knows he's just digging for information Six days after Robert died, he was laid to rest, and Joseph Price was actually used as a pallbearer. Now, fast forward to the following October, and Joseph's brother Michael uses his key to the townhouse and he breaks in. Now, in light of this, police begin to wonder just how many people have a key to this townhouse, and maybe that would be why there was no sign of forced entry the night that Robert was murdered. And adding to this thought is the fact that at some time Michael was a phlebotomy student and on the night that Robert was murdered he missed his class. His college advisor said that was highly unlike him to miss a class like that. The following June Price sold the townhouse and he and Zabrowski moved into an apartment together. Ward picked up and moved to Florida, to a home that the three men had purchased together. Then, basically that case went cold until 2008. Now, as you can imagine, police are feeling defeated because they're just not coming up with any leads on who killed Robert Wan and why. And also becoming frustrated with this was Robert's widow, Catherine. And who could blame her? And then just when it seemed like nothing was going to happen, in October of 2008, Ward was arrested and charged with obstruction of justice. And in the following month, both Price and Zabrowski were arrested and charged with the same charges as Ward. And then, to add insult to their injury, Catherine filed a $20 million civil lawsuit against the three men. Now, the three men made bond on the criminal charges they had to wear an ankle monitor. In the following December, the men were slapped with another charge, and that charge was conspiracy. And during the hearing for the conspiracy charges, prosecutors announced that they were also have pending charges of tampering with evidence. The attorney for the three men said that these charges were just ridiculous, and they were designed to make the men turn on each other. But all three men continued to maintain their story of what had happened that night. Well, there's a lot of theories surrounding this case too, but none have yet to be proven true. One of those theories about was about the unsent emails that were found on Robert's library. And it's thought that one of the men had typed those emails, but since the evidence was never saved, 
Who knows if it's true or not. Now, in the end, the men were found not guilty by the trial judge of the charges of obstruction of justice, conspiracy, and tampering with evidence. And the judge explained that the men, they had to know who killed Robert. She didn't believe that they were guilty of it. And as far as that civil lawsuit that Catherine had filed, it was settled for an undisclosed amount of money. To this day, no charges of murder have been filed in this case, and it's still an open investigation. Despite it being one of the biggest unsolved mur- or unsolved crimes in D.C., there's been very little talk of it, and I honestly hadn't even heard about this case until about a month ago. So now I was thinking about how the men said they heard the door chime, and they say that an intruder entered and killed Robert but wouldn't it stand a reason that they would hear the door chime again when the intruder left or maybe just maybe that intruder had entered sometime earlier hid and then the chime the men heard was when the intruder was actually leaving I mean it could happen there's just so much that doesn't make sense about this case hopefully sooner rather than later there'll be a break in this case because Robert and his family truly deserve justice well y'all that's all I really have for tonight's episode come back on Monday for an all new episode of mystery murder and mayhem <laughs>